Hello and welcome back to The Drop Step. We've got another episode for you today. We are joined by Dylan, aka Thunder Chats, from the Topic Thunder podcast. And today it's OKC time. We are talking all things Thunder and we've got a really exciting list to get through. We've got some rankings for trade targets for OKC. Dylan, how are you doing? Are you excited for today's episode? I'm doing great, man. Uh, any any chance I get to talk about Oklahoma City Thunder is an exciting time, exciting day. So uh, always a privilege to talk to somebody across the pond, too. Uh, I actually there's a there's an OKC UK podcast out there. Um, shout out to my guy, really? Thomas Snowden. Yeah, there's there's three or four of them that, that do it on there. And I've I've potted with them a couple of times. They've been on my show a couple of times. So we'll, we'll have to link you up after this. I was going to say, I'm going to have to find Thomas because uh, it's currently 1am for me. I love talking <laughs> basketball, but at the same time, it's going to turn me into an insomniac. So we're going to have wow. to find hockey medium, some sort of UK hoop heads. Yeah, but, uh, I appreciate your I'm sacrifice. Yeah, there's at least one other out there. So so that's that's good for me. So just to be clear, today's episode, really, really clear format. In my opinion, OKC are in a position that no team has been in basically in the history of the league. Mm -hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dylan, but they've got 15 first round picks in the next seven years. They've got 20 second round picks. They've got swap rights with Houston, the Clippers and the Nuggets down the line. It's basically as large a haul as any rebuilding franchise could dream of. But when you add on to that, one of the best young cores in the league and a first All-NBA team player for good measure, I really think that we're in uncharted territory. So, while we could talk, oh, you know, what are some of the young guys going to look like next year? Who's going to be in the rotation? I want to leave that to Topic Thunder. I want to leave that to you. And I would take a little bit of a wider view and just think about how can we push this team over the edge? OKC has been very competitive over the last decade or so. Obviously, they've been rebuilding over the last couple of years, but they've been on the precipice, but they've never quite got there. Obviously, finals appearances in 2012 drafting three straight MVPs in a row. We're putting on our fake GM hats today, basically, and we're trying to ensure that that doesn't happen again and we can get <laughs> a championship uh, under our belts in, in the next few years for the Thunder. So, uh, Dylan, are you excited? Do you agree? Is this what you do with all the assets that OKC have? I, I know that <coughs> fans usually like to see what the young core looks like and sort of follow that through. You get attached to your players, but with all those assets you're going to have to consolidate at some point right yeah it's definitely an option and you know it's it's an option that is more fun to talk about than the route that I, I actually think it's going to be <laughs> uh, I, I think that honestly you know just the way that Sam Presti operates and the team that he's built like we've got four guys that some of the national talking heads like Sam Vecini and the athletic like he believes that all four of them have all-star potential and Shea Goldis Alexander Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams um J-Dub, Dub, Santa, whatever you want to call him. I, I call him Santa affectionately. It's something I started on the nice, podcast nice. just for fun. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, those are those are four guys that, you know, you can really grow with. And it, it's special because, you know, you've got your guard position, you've got your wing position, you've got your big position, you've got your facilitator, you've got your scorer, you've got, you know, your uh, centerpiece of the, of the defensive front court. Like, you, you have so much versatility just in those four players alone. And, you know, Ideally, you know, you just let them kind of, you know, grow, like grow up, mature, like let their games mature, let their games develop, let their chemistry develop. And, you know, ideally you have the next Golden State Warriors. But 
not everybody's the Golden State Warriors. And so, you know, it makes sense that that is a, a conversation that, you know, people want to have, you know, especially Thunder fans, you know, as we're getting closer to and closer to competing, like, you know, what's going to push us over the edge. But like in, in all actuality, man, I think that how we're going to use the picks is we're going to use it just to like we're going to consolidate in the draft and we're going to like move up, you know, if there's a guy that we want. That's that's interesting that you mentioned that, Dylan. I, I don't want to jump ahead too far up my rankings, but oh, let's just it. say not all the players that I'm going to suggest today are currently in the NBA. So that could lead to some fun chat. Down I think the I know where I know this is going. If any franchise loves talking draft, it's the OKC Thunder, right? You guys Absolutely. love it. And I mean, why wouldn't you? You've drafted three MVPs in a row. You've just defied all expectations that Josh Giddy pick confused so many people out the gates in 2020, you know, Kaminga's on the board, X players on the board. What are you doing? And, you know, you've drafted Himothy Chalamet, right? I mean, coolest yeah. nickname in the NBA by far. So what I want to do is I want to break down just where I'm coming at this from uh, just before we get into the top five. So uh, I looked at the Thunder last year, 16th in offensive rating, 13th in defensive rating. Uh, way down the rankings in terms of true shooting percentage. They're at 57%, which ranked 23rd in the NBA. And uh, they were a possession team, right? You know, they hit the glass, they outworked teams. They actually had the fourth most possessions in the regular season last year. So what we're looking at is a team that has an absolute star scorer, a guy that can get it from wherever he wants in SGA. We're looking at a load of complementary pieces for now that could potentially develop into more than complementary pieces, proper second and third options if they can up the usage or up the efficiency. So to me, I've got a few archetypes that I think these are the players that we could potentially add to the Thunder. And my number five pick, the first archetype, is going to be a guy that comes in, spikes the true shooting percentage, doesn't necessarily take usage away from your core four guys, but really fits into the system as well. And I think in an ideal world, if I was Sam Presti and you said, you've got to go out and use some of that capital that you've got, I would be targeting a player like Trey Murphy III. So he is my number five pick. Absolutely. I I am a fiend for Trey Murphy. Like in that Josh Giddy draft, like I was upset about that pick, but I was also upset because, you know, we traded 16, which ended up being Shingoon, which – you know what? However you feel about, it. I love Usman Jang, and that ended up being you know what we used to get Usman Jang. So I'm fine with it. But we got so Trey Murphy went 17, and Trey Man went 18. And in my eyes, I would have rather just kept 16 and take Trey Murphy because he's everything that you need on this team. Like we have seen, like the proof is in the pudding that if you have an elite shooter out there, which they go to Alexander. It's going to make things so much easier for him. It could be anywhere. It could be the guard position with Isaiah Joe. It could be at the big position with Mike Muscala. Like, you know, you just have to have shooting out there to give this guy a little bit of spacing. And what do we know about Trey Mann coming in? Like, he was one of the most elite shooters in all of college basketball. He had great length, great height at like six foot nine, almost like a seven foot wingspan. Stupid athletic. And um, had, you know, with that length and, you know, that athleticism, he projected to be a really good defender. And guess what? He's looked like a good defender in his couple of years uh-huh. in the NBA. So I'm all on board on this. I wouldn't think about him just because I think he's untouchable um, in the Pelicans' eyes. But I love that. Like, we, we, we started off great. Good. Yeah, so this is my theory, right? Just thinking about the Pelicans. Like you said, he's likely untouchable. But just to me, 
they've got a really, really expensive roster. They're paying Zion a max. They're paying Brandon Ingram a max. CJ is on that kind of money as well. And that trade extension is coming up. I wonder if they look to potentially consolidate into a more established big three instead of paying Trey and potentially even make that mistake that OKC made all those years ago with the James Harden trade, right? Like we've got our core guys. This guy's the last guy up to get paid. And maybe OKC can then come and slip in and potentially you know, send them a ton of draft picks uh, and keep hold of their core four guys. Because I just think that Trey's fit at the four for the OKC Thunder would be incredible. Uh, like you said, shooting just works next to SGA, right? You mentioned Isaiah Joe. You mentioned Mike Muscala. When you mix in a guy that can play that sort of drive and kick game and take advantage of the closeouts that are generated, I think OKC run some of the most unique offense in the league. And we saw that last year where it's just constant movement, constant cutting, bringing in a guy that not only can spot up from 27, 28 feet, but also showed real, real progress last year, just generating his own looks off of the gravity of a player like Zion, like Brandon Ingram. I think he'd feed off of... Uh, Josh Giddy passes, he'd feed off SGA yes. gravity. Uh, it'd just be beautiful to watch. And on top of that, he's someone that I think if he bulks out a little bit more, he can provide that weak side rim protection as well, playing at the four. If you want Chet being versatile and pick and roll schemes, playing the five, Trey's a guy that can play the four and potentially come in and cover up for him if you're playing more aggressive pick and roll coverages. So Trey, honestly, I've got him at five. I, I could have him quite a bit higher here. I He's the kind of player that I'd love to see. Uh, no, the first I, I, member I, I, of the 60-40-90 club, if I remember correctly, last year, didn't make 50-40-90 because he took too many threes. You know, that's that's the modern NBA problem. But he was my number five. He's a guy that I'd love to see. And and in that same vein as well, we'll get onto your number five, Dylan. But Lowry Markkinen is another guy that fits that. And I think contract-wise, he's someone that could work because... With uh, J-Dub and Chet, I'm going to stick to J-Dub uh, just, just for clarity's sake. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Both of them need their extensions in 26-27, which to me gives the OKC a window to pay SGA, to pay Giddy, and potentially pay a third guy. And I look at a guy like Lowry, and I think that he can provide really, really similar attributes to a guy like Trey in that he's not taken up a lot of usage He's getting threes up at a high clip. He can shoot threes off of movement. He can provide a little bit of rim protection. He can be a little bit switchable and he can drive as well. He can fit right into that system. So they are sort of my co-five, those low usage, high efficiency guys that could just transform the offense and open it up for your other guys that also need touches. Dylan, who did you have at number five? Uh, number five. Uh, so, you know, after Trey Murphy, like, you know, I, I feel like this is going to be a, a, a great step down, but Here we go. uh, I'm going with Corey Kispert out of Washington Wizards. Nice. Um, you know, kind of, you know, similar thinking in terms of the three point shooting. Uh, so I was looking at it. Trey Murphy shot 40% on about six attempts per game from three. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, Corey Kispert shot 42 and 0.4 on about five attempts per game. So less attempts, higher efficiency, but like, you know, he's playing with guys like Monte Morris. Uh, he's playing with Brad Beal, who isn't like, you know, as good of a playmaker as Shay or Giddy. Like he, he hasn't played with guys that can, you know, set the table for him. Like, you know, the Thunder would. And, you know, something that you've kind of noticed in Mark Dagnall's system is he makes, you know, 
he makes guys overachieve, you know, just based on the system that they're in. Like Isaiah Joe was a guy the Sixers cut, comes into the Thunder system, and automatically, like, he works. He fits like a glove. And Corey Kispert could kind of do a, a you know similar thing, you know, kind of more the wing position, maybe some small ball four and, and a pinch. Like he doesn't give you a lot defensively for sure, and he's not like he, he's got some athleticism to him, but like really just like the three point shooting. And you know, kind of going back to the question about the Pelicans, you know, why didn't include Trey Murphy just because I thought he'd be untouchable? You know, obviously shooting's a premium in the NBA. Like every yeah. team needs shooting, whether you're rebuilding or contending, like you need shooting, but. Mm-hmm. You know, he came into the league a little bit up there in age. You know, right now he is, if I could, yeah. So he's 24 already, which is, you know, a year younger than Shea. Uh, I, I don't have his contract pulled up, but he came in the same draft class as Giddy, I believe. So he's got, and, and Trey Murphy. So he's got a couple of years left. Um, you know, I just feel like in, in terms of, of him and his success, I think that he would be better off going to a team like the Thunder and, you know, the Wizards in the rebuilding state, you know, acquiring a lot of the Thunder's former front office, they know how important draft picks are, especially with how the CBA is as uh, kind of shaped out, how important second round picks are as well, um, two firsts. And, you know, the Thunder have this treasure chest, so I could see something being worked out there. Uh, in 2K, I traded Poku in two seconds. No, I traded Poku <laughs> a first and a second for Kispert and a better first. Um, somehow, I don't know how it's 2K. Watch, but hey, I'll take fun, that. Yeah. I'll take that every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that Corey's a really, really underrated shout, and I think this will be probably the last time I get to talk about him for six months because it's unlikely that we're going to mm-hmm. talk Wizards for a little while. So let's let's dive in. Um, Corey Kispert, not just a guy that feeds off of catch and shoot opportunities as well. Uh, I think I remember seeing on Basketball Windex or Hoops University one of the go-to NBA Twitter accounts. This is a guy that outperforms his shot quality to a higher standard than pretty much anyone else in the league. He's getting it off despite having tight coverages, despite having less than ideal spacing around him. And yeah, I think that Corey is, if if Trey Murphy is is the stylish pick, Corey is the guy that can come in and function and kind of do the exact same thing. He actually reminds me of a former Seattle Supersonic. He's got a little bit of Brent Barry to his game. Mm. another guy that you know shot incredibly well from three a little bit of sneaky athleticism Uh, i think Corey sometimes rocks a headband i don't know if brent ever did that but yeah yeah i mean that that immediately makes you soar up any trade rankings Uh, (laughs) i think he's probably due a breakout season next year just because they might look to increase that usage but yeah if okc could get in and get a guy like Corey kisper absolutely that's a I think you're probably looking at a good first and maybe a swap and then, you know, maybe a good first and one of the lesser ranked prospects on the OKC Thunder roster. So someone like Trey Mann could do quite Mm -hmm. well out in the Washington Wizards could be included in a package like that. Uh, I'm not going to suggest trading Poku. I don't want anyone coming from my head. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. A gettable guy that could really be useful this season. And like you said, rookie scale for the next year or two. So he keeps the Thunder cheap as well. Great pick at number five. I've waffled on. So, Dylan, who did you have at number four? Uh, Are we changing it up or are we still looking at a player in the same vein? This is so, you know, something you're going to notice in all my players is they all can shoot. Um, You know, the Thunder Thunder fans have been desperate for shooters all the way back in the rest and KD area. Like we we want guys that can shoot the ball. And we're starting to get Mm -hmm. that a little bit. You know, guys like, you know, Trey Mann, like, 
um, freaking uh, Isaiah Joe, Vasilia Mitchell, who we're bringing in this year, and of course Chet. Like you know, we've we've got some guys that can shoot the ball, and so I'm wanting to add on to that. And this this is a risky pick, and I don't see the Thunder ever making it because it's just the most unsimpressive <laughs> thing. But and I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a huge Kentucky fan. Live in Kentucky. Okay. Uh, so you know, we, yeah. What is? It? Oh yeah. No. You're, you're, hey, I've I've got to hype it up. Hold on a second. So. No, no. I, I think I know who you have. I think we might have the same number four. Come on in, Dylan. Okay. 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 Well, you know, I there's a lot of Kentucky players out there. This is a guy yeah. that's kind of you know falling out the good graces of some people. Uh, he might not have as necessarily high value as he used to. It's it's Carl Anthony Towns, man. Bring in another high value name. I knew it. I knew it. As soon as you said shoot, and as soon as you said falling out of fashion a little bit, I thought (laughs) this is a man after my own heart. This is a guy that has the same taste as me. And yes, yes, absolutely. I would love to see Towns on the Thunder, mainly because he feels like such a specialized player. Like if you're going to get the best out of him, he's got to be in a very unique environment. And to Mm -hmm. me, that means playing next to a four that can switch out onto the perimeter and guard at the rim. And if you can keep Chet Holmgren in a deal like this, then you are absolutely cooking in that front court. So talk to me a little bit, Dylan, about the fit, because I had Carl Anthony Towns as my number four as well. And I thought you were probably going to tell me off for that. So, Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. I, you know, I love Cat. You know, I've loved him ever since he came in the NBA. I know he's. He's got some weird tendencies offline. Um, so, you know, that's kind of turned some people off to it. Uh, playoff performances, yeah. stuff like that. Like, I get all the reasons people are kind of out on Cat. But, I mean, bottom line is, Dirk Nowitzki is, like, obviously, like, at the top of the mountain. Carl Anthony Towns might be the best shooting big man of all time. And he yeah. doesn't do it on a low volume. He does it on, like, eight attempts per game. He does it off dribble. He does it off catch. He does it off movement. Like, he is a legitimate threat from the three-point line. Not to mention, dude's a seven-footer. Okay, he's built. He's he's built better than Chet is right now in terms of like you know his his strength. He's not the strongest guy in the league, but he's stronger than Chet. Uh, mm-hmm. He's athletic, and you know his rookie year, his sophomore year, you know playing next to Kevin Garnett, coming off of playing against or playing with Kevin Garnett, he was locked in defensively. Carl Anthony Towns was a plus defender in his early years in the NBA. And as his like burden has you know shifted more the offensive route these past couple of years, that's kind of gone by the wayside. But hey, if you're playing on the Thunder, Mark Dagnall, you're not getting on the court for Mark Dagnall unless you're going to play defense. And mm-hmm. so you know, hey, like if he comes here and he wants to play and he wants to be a part of this team, he's going to have to buy in defensively. And B, like you know, you know, like you said, Chet is a guy that you know can switch out to the to the perimeter can rotate over on the help side of defense. Like Carl Anthony Towns, like is going to be your fifth option defensively, basically. Like you can run lineups with Shea, Dort, Dub, Chet, and Cat, and like those four will be your, your like like your uh, the front lines of the defense, and Cat will be like you know the last defense. And mm-hmm. I I think that you know he could he could thrive. And I know a lot of Thunder fans don't like that. Um, you know, personally, you know, just, you know, the UK, the hyphenated name, which they go to Alexander, like it's perfect. Um, but also like, I'm, I'm a big proponent of change of scenery, like across sports, mm. basketball, football, you know, what have you, like a change of scenery, a change of culture goes a long way. 
And I think that if Cat goes somewhere where he's not the man, where he hasn't been baby for the past few years, where, you know, he doesn't feel this sense of entitlement, I think that he could thrive from it. Yeah. And this is the kind of star that OKC can actually trade for. Notoriously not a place where players necessarily want to stick around long term. We obviously experienced that with Paul George, but Cat's locked in, I think, through 26, 27. He's obviously got that albatross of a contract, which could yeah. cause some financial issues, you know, if we're looking at the team getting expensive. But for the last, I'm counting it up here, one, two, three, four, four out of the last five years, Towns has been over 25 and 10 in terms of points and rebounds. Starting at that, that is pretty damn good. I mean, just as a baseline, if you're adding him into that ecosystem, Let's face it, it was Jalen Williams, uh, J. Will, not J. Dub, playing the five for most of last season. Great charge taker. Could actually space a little bit from three as well. Didn't necessarily take too much off the table offensively, but imagine you're putting in that production next to a guy like Shea, next to J. Dub, and just making their lives a little bit easier. And one of the other things I like about Towns is his his passing has improved as he's come into the league as well. Mm-hmm. He's not quite a Jokic. I think sometimes he thinks he does. There's a great thinking <laughs> basketball video out there highlighting him as you're not that guy, pal. But edged up towards the five assist mark last year at 4.8. I'd love to see him diamond up cutters in that Thunder system as well as having the outside shooting. I think he could develop a really, really good pick and roll partnership with SGA. SGA hasn't necessarily had that guy ever to play with in the pick and roll. So he's one of the few knocks on a guy like Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the playmaking doesn't necessarily flash like the scoring does. But when you look at the reads that some of these elite of the elite playmakers make, you're talking about Chris Paul throwing lobs to Blake Griffin. You're talking about James Harden finding Clint Capella on the roll. You're looking at Trey Young playing with Clint Capella again or a John Collins. A lot of the time, having that vertical threat as well as a popping guy can really open up a player's playmaking. And someone with the scoring of Shea Gilgis-Alexander should have that playmaking come along as teams adapt and adapt and adapt to cover up his scoring. So I love his fit in terms of how he spaces the court. Notoriously, a guy that can shoot from uh, 40% from behind the arc. He's got to the line at around six and a half times per game at his peak as well. Don't know if he shows up during the playoffs. That's a question. But if we're backing a mentality shift, then yes, absolutely. Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that could fit in OKC. And like we said, um, next to Chet, that makes a ton of sense. What kind of package do you think you'd have to give up to get a guy like Carl Anthony Towns? Man, I don't know. I'm I'm really bad at fake trades because I either undersell or I oversell. And Mm -hmm. I I, I don't really want to commit to either one. I, I will say this. I... I, I think that if Presti were to strike on this opportunity, it's because it's, it's catastrophe in Minnesota. They realize that, you know, what they have is just not going to work. You know, like maybe maybe it's off the court stuff, maybe it's on the court stuff, you know, around the trade deadline. And, you know, they don't want to, you know, just kind of lick their wounds on the Rudy Gobert trade. And they decide mm-hmm. it's Cap's fault. They think that Rudy Gobert fits better against or with Anthony Edwards. You know, this is a lot of stipulations. But at that point, I'm not giving any of our core four away. Like I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. Uh, if that's what it takes, I'll hang up the phone. Like you know, we we don't have to make this trade. No. But you know, I, I mean, I'll trade four first round picks. 
Uh, I mean, you know, we've got contracts on the books right now. We got Davis Pertons. He he would definitely be in the deal. I don't know if Oladipo is going to be on the roster at that point, but you know, he's a big contract. He'd also mm-hmm. be on the deal. And you know, if we have to, like, you know, I'll trade away with Dort. Like, I I don't want to trade Dort. I think Dort is a good player, but he is our most tradable contract. We drafted Case and Wallace, another University of Kentucky guy, in the draft this year to kind of be his predecessor. Um, so you know, if that's what it takes, you know. Throwing Trey Man, like throwing Poku, like, I don't care. Just don't take any of the core four guys. Don't take Uzman Jane. Don't take Casey Wallace. And we're, we're cooking with gas. Like, let's, let's make it happen. Yeah. And there's going to be a funny balance when the Thunder do come to make a consolidation trade in that they have so many assets that I think Team A is going to be calling up and saying, well, we want everything. We want all the picks. We want all the swaps. But realistically, what's the second best package Minnesota can get for Carl Anthony Towns? I think when push comes to shove, Sam Presti is going to have a lot more leverage than we tend to think about. He's not going to get fleeced. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that likes to get fleeced. He's not a Danny Ainge, for example. But I think that it's not going to be as brutal in terms of them paying over the odds to get a guy in. So I, I think that Towns is a player that could be really, really interesting for the Thunder. And like you said, Dort is tradable. Bertans is tradable. It would make sense for OKC to get off that albatross of a contract, bring in some draft capital and sort of do a little soft reset while staying in contention, which they showed that Mm -hmm. they could do last year. You know, a little core of Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels and Rudy Gobert. You're going to be solid on the defensive end. You're going to have your go-to scorer. And then you're going to have that flexibility that you traded away last year to try and make some moves and try and get away from this sort of heinous two to even three big lineup that they're potentially exploring, seeing as they extended Nas Reed. So, yeah, great number four pick. He was my number four pick as well. Uh, Dylan, I'm I'm going full three and D. This is uh, probably the guy that gets brought up most on fake trades. I think he's been traded to most teams in the league so far. He's a guy that would make OKC the most switchable team in the league. I think he can fill in garden centers. I think he can play at the point of attack. He's destructive in the passing lanes and he's about 38% three-point shooter. He's due an extension, uh, but I wonder if my number three pick, OG Ananobi, could be the missing piece for a team like the OKC Thunder. Yeah, man, I I have a love-hate relationship with OG. Like Defensively, absolutely. Like He's He's everything that you said and more. Like, he's great off ball. He's great on ball. Like, he's an absolute disruptor on the defensive end. Offensively, you know, it. what he's done, like, if we was getting the player that is in Toronto right now to come to OKC, I'd be on board with it. Like, I'd ship three first. I'd, you know, I'd give him trade, man. You know, I'd do whatever, we, you know, it took to get him over here, Um, you know, because I think that he would fit. But a lot of what he's saying – you know, is wrong and why he doesn't want to come back to Toronto necessarily is because he wants the ball more. He wants to create more. He wants more shots. And I'm sorry, dude, I'm not giving you the ball more when we have Shea Gilders Alexander, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren. Like, it's just not happening. You're going to be fourth or fifth in the pecking order. Mm. Um, you know, so, like, again, going back to, like, the Carlton Towns thing, like, it, it's something that I just – I don't see Presti doing just because of, you know, the um, the off the court stuff in terms of like his attitude and, you know, just like not necessarily call him a bad person. Just, you know, like how, when's the last time you yeah. heard somebody complaining about the role on the Thunder, like yeah. and publicly, like it, it doesn't happen. So <clears throat> I could see Presti steering clear from that. But yeah, 
basketball fit, like, you know, if we was getting like point A to point B comparison, absolutely. But, you know, with all that baggage that he's got and all the bag that he's going to demand on his contract, like, I, I, yeah. I think I'm okay. I, I'm not trying to pay $30 million for OG and OB personally. Okay. And that is the other issue because obviously you trade for OG, you've got to extend him next year. He's becoming a, um, he's becoming a free agent. So a lot of teams are going to be lining up their cap space to bring in a guy like OG and they could potentially promise that role. So maybe I'd even swap Trey and OG thinking about this in hindsight. I should have started with the typical one, but I was just so excited to get Trey Murphy's name out there that I, I, I maybe jumped the gun, but yeah, no, just, you're absolutely oh, fine, man. And like, it's mm. it's kind of just a me thing. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I just I just want to say like, don't don't feel bad about your picks. There's plenty of Thunder no. fans out there, even Thunder fans like you know that I might like, co-host that I podcast with. Yeah. Um, you know, they would love to have OG and Anobi, but mm. you know, it's just it's just kind of a personal thing for me. Like, yeah, I there's there's another player similar archetype, similar age, similar build that I would rather have. Is he your number three? He is my number three. Would you? Who you got? You, okay, I got you. It's Mikael Bridges, dude. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. He's the it's the heads tails coin flip in terms of the three and D wing that you're going to trade for. Mm-hmm. Pitch me on Mikael Bridges and tell me how the hell you're going to get him out of Brooklyn. Yeah, so I mean, obviously he's he's the same age as Obi. They have similar similar measurables in terms of their height and length, um, and in terms of their three point shooting. You know, Mikhail shot 30, say 37.6 for three. Oh, no, that's that's from Korea. I'm sorry. 38.2. OG shot 38.7. Uh, and if you want to like it, look at points per game, Mikhail is putting a 20. OG put up 16.8. So he's a little bit more of a scorer, but also like what I really want to highlight and why he makes more sense for this team is OG had two assists per game. Mikhail had 3.3 assists per game, which doesn't sound mm-hmm. like a lot. But if you extrapolate that and look at Brooklyn, where, you know, it kind of became his team, um, well, never mind. Stats did not help me there. It's actually they less dropped. assists of Brooklyn than Phoenix. Yes. So, um, but no, I, I think that he's showed the ability, specifically this past year, um, to not only create for himself, which we didn't really know he had. Like, for years, he was just that 3 and D guy, catch and shoot. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. compliment Chris Paul, compliment Devin Booker. Like, I'm just going to you know, stick in my role. Uh, due to injuries this year, he was forced to, you know, kind of go into an uncomfortable scenario where he had to create for himself, and it looked uncomfortable at times. But towards the, you know, back back half of the stretch of where it was just him, he started to look comfortable. He started to put stuff together, and he started to, you know, show what he could do with the ball in his hands. And obviously, as he got traded to Brooklyn, uh, you know, that started to come to fruition even more. Um, you know, he's just a guy that – you know, in terms of the timeline, like he, he matches perfectly in terms of like the age, like, you know, about the same age as Shea. Defensively, I mean, I, I don't even have to say anything, man. Like he's a disruptor on both on, on ball, off ball, just like OG Ananobi is. Uh, I think he actually might have a longer wingspan than OG. Um, I, I can't double check that right they're now. Both but... guys. Yeah, they they've both got that that length on him. Um mm-hmm. just to just cut in on Mikhail. So I think off the top of my head, I did a all NBA first timers pod a couple of months ago and picked OG, uh sorry, Mikhail as my uh pick for shooting guard. Uh stats were 26 points per game once he got to Brooklyn, two assists, a uh, couple of rebounds, but his true shooting actually went up. I believe he was at about 58% when he was on the Suns that jumps up to 60 or 62% when he gets to the net. So that's 
really, really rare to see. This is a guy that we know now can create in isolation because there was a lot of isolation ball happening on mm-hmm. the Brooklyn Nets post KD trade last year. Uh, and he can do it for himself efficiently. And yeah, he's not a number one option. Like you said, not necessarily exhibiting that playmaking feel, a slightly older player as well. I think that his ideal role is somewhere in between what he was playing in Phoenix and what he's playing in Brooklyn now, potentially is that number two scoring threat. And I think that for the next couple of years, at least, while a player like Josh Giddy carries on developing, while Jalen Williams carries on developing, he could come in and be that number two scoring guy, but potentially balance it out and focus on the defensive end a little bit more, particularly when you get to the postseason. Uh, I just want to say, because I did consider this, I thought it was an either or for these kind of guys. Mm-hmm. The thing that I like about OG Ananobi is I think that frame-wise, he's a lot stronger than Mikhail. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't seen OG Ananobi guard Luka Doncic in the postseason, but I have seen Mikhail Bridges do that. And what jumped out to me is I, I don't know who could cope with Luka in the post, but Mikhail really struggled with the up fakes, with the physicality, getting back down, sort of 80s, 90s style. And I just think a guy like OG could potentially come in, not necessarily be as good a fit on the offensive end but defensively I think he's one of the few players that can probably switch one through five he's just so strong in his core I think he's got seven two wingspan we're not playing the wingspan guessing game on today's podcast but that's, <laughs> that's about where I think it is and I think that again as a four he's got the mobility to really fit into the OKC scheme but can also cover a number of positions so that's why I had OG but uh, the other thing about Mikhail is He's on one of the best value contracts in the league and he's mm-hmm. locked down and to it until uh, 25, 26 or 26, 26. 27. Yeah, nice. he's a UFA in 26 and OG's a UFA in 25. I, I just looked at that as well. And that, that was another reason like mm-hmm. I liked Mikhail. Like I, ha- I had to go back in the recesses of my brain because I was talking about this at the trade deadline. Everybody, you know, rightfully so, once OG and Anobi, I'm like, you know, Bleacher Report loves fake trading OG and Anobi with Thunder. Um, as well as Memphis and a bunch of other teams. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was kind of making my case for, you know, Mikhail Bridges over OG then. But, uh, yeah, the other year of team control would be huge as well. But, you know, there is that rumor out there that there was a team that offered four, thir- four first for him at the trade deadline, offered him to Brooklyn. Uh, you know, I in my head headcanon, I'm just going to say it's the Oklahoma City Thunder <laughs> trying to get him. You know, he's, he's on the radar. So, uh, you know, m- maybe we get that done now. The argument against that and why Thunder fans you know, might be hesitant on bringing in a guy like Mikael Bridges, mm-hmm. Jalen Williams could become Mikael Bridges. Like, he yeah. could give you everything that Mikael does and potentially more. You know, like we said, you know, this is a guy that has all-star upside, um, and this is a guy that you know is just coming into a second year, and you know he's you know a guy that you know we've seen improve at every level or every year of you know every level of basketball so and you know what we saw from that one half in summer league he's really added to his game now i know at summer mm-hmm. league yeah i take stuff with a grain of salt but like he looked good he looked strong and you know if if you he believe looks- in jalen williams and you don't want to wait and, and you want to wait on him i i could see the argument he looked so strong like mm-hmm. for a year two player to come in with that physique the thing that I spoke about with OG is that frame. I think that Jalen is definitely a guy that could get there. And I'm not backing him to have the same sort of shot creation and handle and isolation ability as a player like Kawhi Leonard. But just in terms of 
when you look at the frame and you look at potentially the defensive versatility, he's a guy with massive hands. He's a guy with a massive plus wingspan. And I was so surprised at the amount of muscle that he put on from year one mm-hmm. to year two. It's going to be interesting to see perhaps maybe his offensive role takes a little bit of a step back. He's shown that he can be so efficient in low usage spots. You know, he's a great cutter. I think he definitely had the most dunks out of any rookie last year and he can space from three so he can fit into the system. Could he be deployed as a little bit more of a uh, defensive specialist? I don't know. That's something that we'll explore because he's definitely got upside on both sides of the ball. Um, So Jalen Williams, uh, we'll we'll, we'll put a poll out after this that probably five or ten people will vote on. Who would you rather have, OG Ananobi or Mikhail Bridges on the Oklahoma City Thunder? Um, But I I think we're into top twos now. Uh, Dylan, Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you go first just because... Uh, I'm I'm a good host. Who've who've you got? <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, actually, it's somebody you brought up earlier. Um, I didn't want to say anything then because he was higher up on my list. But uh, it's Larry Markkinen, man. I yes. love Larry Markkinen. Um, for everything that we said about you know with Cat Kispert, Trey Murphy, Mikael, OG, like he's a guy that can shoot and he can shoot efficiently. He can shoot mm-hmm. a volume, and you know, uh, like he provides a lot of the things that Cat does in, on offense. Um, with none of the baggage. This is a guy that has been humbled in the league. He's been in multiple different situations and, you know, he's had to, you know, kind of relearn his role and like where he fits in the league. And, you know, this past year in Utah was a godsend for him because he shot 39% from three on seven attempts per game, 25 points, eight rebounds. Like he was an all-star for his first time ever, like coming out of nowhere. And that was playing off of, you know, creators like, Colin Sexton, Mike Conway half of the year. Like, you know, this is a, you know, not the level of guys like Shago Alexander, Josh Getty. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's a little bit of the Thunder Killer in him because I think we played the Jazz after All Star break and he dropped a cool 45 on us. And <laughs> I was just sitting there salivating. Like, I should be mad, but I'm not. Like, I just love this guy's game. He's got some nasty yeah. in him, man. He's got some yeah, nasty in him. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a guy that I think you can tell that he's been scorned around the league, sort of playing for those Bulls teams, being a little bit downtrodden, particularly towards the last uh, half of the year. He was really feeling himself, and he sort of knew that he was the guy in Utah. Mm-hmm. And if he can bring that fire to a team like OKC as well, uh, I think I touched on it earlier, but just in terms of offensive fit, it's it's like a glove, just a guy that knows how to cut, a guy that can threaten the rim vertically, a guy that can space, that can shoot off movement, just a real Swiss army knife of a player. And the other thing that Lowry embraced last year, which I really enjoyed seeing, is his physicality. I think in Cleveland and in Chicago, to me, he just sort of looked like a seven-foot shooting guard, which sounds Mm -hmm. appealing, but if you're not shooting it like Clay Thompson, then it's just you're, you're not really taking advantage of that size. But... I don't know if it was playing at Eurobasket last year where he had a real breakout. Lowry punished people in the post. He punished mismatches and he was physical on drives. And I think if he keeps that up, then he's going to keep that sky high efficiency. And like we said, we don't necessarily want to take reps away from the young core four on the Thunder. And a guy like Lowry can come in. I think he was only 23% usage last year. Yes, he got a lot of shots up, but you can give a lot of touches to your young developing guys while just opening up the court for them with an intelligent player like Lowry that can be so useful on both ends of the court. Yeah. And like, you know, unlike Cat, like, you know, like 
we were saying like Hilari is a guy that gets it done off ball. Like, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of those reps, like a lot of those buckets the cat's getting, he gets the ball and, you know, you're probably not getting it back. Like Hilari is a guy that, you know, gets the ball, he can keep it moving, like he can make a quick decision, which is something that, you know, Sam Presti has emphasized in this team building. Like if you get the ball, you're going to dribble, pass or shoot it. And you're not going to, you know, just sit there and like let time freeze. And I think that, you know, you have Chet and you have Lowry Markinen as your bigs out there with Jacobs Alexander just driving to the lane under like relentlessly. Like that's just that's what dreams are made of, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Dylan, I feel like for all the players we've mentioned so far, you could get away with not trading one of your core four guys. So I'm gonna spice it up a little bit. Oh, we've got man, three players left to discuss. <laughs> um OKC can legitimately go and trade for pretty much anyone in the league, uh, especially dependent on situation. If you're looking at a team that's in a slightly more volatile place, potentially looking to trade one star, I wonder if the Thunder could really escalate the rebuild and look to even contend for a title now by trading for a guy like, drumroll please, Joel Embiid. What do you think? Did he cross your mind? He's he's hard, man. Like, you know, he's the guy that yeah, he's been he's been going around Fender Circles, especially with all this drama with Philadelphia and everything. Yeah. And you know, that I, I like it, it goes in two hands because in, in one hand, that's why Preston would never pursue him, is all this drama and stuff. Like, you know, that's not something that, you know, the Thunder, you know, look for in a player. But also, mm. you know, same thing with Cat. Like, you know, you know, I can't have my head cake and eat it too with saying that we would pursue Cat and not Embiid. So the, the the other thing with Joe Embiid that really freaks me out and really worries me is I don't think he's gone a year without missing a substantial amount of games. Like, I, I don't have that in front of me, and I could be wrong, but it mm-hmm. feels like the guy is always hurt. And, you know, we already have Chet Holmgren, who isn't the most uh, – isn't the most well-built guy. Reliable. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So he hasn't played more than 68 games in his NBA career. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Like, I think you got to remember shortened seasons for 2021, 22 as well. So Apologize I think the injury concerns, they have, they have improved a little bit and sort of mm-hmm. uh, conditioning wise, he's really shown some improvement over the last couple of years, but yeah, absolutely. You bring in another seven-footer, a guy that carries the weight of Embiid, that relies on quite fluid movement, as you know, Joel Embiid does. Mm. It's definitely a concern. And it's the kind of move where I think that if OKC just stood still, stuck to the draft, kept their core four, they're going to 100% be a contender, right? There's nothing to... There's, there's no questions over that. You've got the talent already. You've got the assets. So you're going to contend for a championship. Whether there's that championship ceiling on the roster yet, I don't know. A player like Joel Embiid can definitely provide that. I think you would have two of the most efficient volume scorers, not even in the league today, but probably in the last decade, in Shea and Joel. Uh, Just just to be clear, Joel put up 33 points per game on 65% true shooting. And this Mm -hmm. isn't a... Rudy Gobert style true shooting where it's all lobs and dunks. He's doing this out of the mid range. Obviously, he's a beast when it comes to finishing around the rim. But he's a guy that shoots thirty eight percent from three. That shoots eighty six percent from the line. It's it would be a tantalizing sort of mesh of talent on the offensive end. But there are definitely worries with Joel. One, the health, and two, I don't think he necessarily plays a style that matches what the Thunder do currently. 
yeah you know, offensively it's, it's funky <laughs> energy it's all about energy it's all mm -hmm. about continuous movement drive kick drive kick we'd be relying on a little bit of a change in joel's game but i, I just think he's available on the defensive end he can be a towering rim protector i think mm -hmm. you probably say it's one of chet or giddy that's included in this trade so it's like chet slash giddy plus uh bertans and lou dort and then however many draft picks philly asks for you know maybe you're sit sending out three firsts and some swaps something along those lines as a lone five he's shown not just rim protection but rim deterrence as well teams in the postseason are afraid to go to the rim when joel Embiid is lurking there he's a fantastic matchup against the best big in the league uh in nikola Jokic. he's a guy that can cook one-on-one -on -one. Um, it's it's not a perfect fit. Both team and player would have to make some significant changes. Mm -hmm. But what's what's the biggest trade OKC's ever pulled off? Was it was it the Paul George trade? Yeah, definitely Paul George. One hundred percent. Both right? of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely. Definitely. But now that you've got the assets to trade for, legitimately a, a top five guy in the league, the reigning MVP. I don't think Sam is going to do it, but part of me wonders they've definitely got the best package. And maybe I'm just suggesting this because I don't want to see the Knicks get Embiid. I think it would be very, very funny if they missed out on yet again another superstar and Joel came. But he's another guy that's locked into his contracts. He's got player option in 26, 27 for about 59 million, probably picking it up. Maybe he'd extend at a lower rate. I like the team control. I like the top five impact. I like that you'd still have a vast quantity of role players to go around Shea and Joel. I mean, you're keeping a hold of at least one or two of Jalen, Giddy and Chet. So you can throw out a super competitive lineup and you'd have the best duo in the league. I, I want to see it happen. I really want to see it happen, uh, especially if Embiid is moved. I think it's something that the Thunder could definitely capitalize on, but yeah no i i completely understand what you're saying man yeah there's there's some risk involved in it and you know maybe maybe i'm just being too cautious you know maybe that is a, a play that sam presti quote unquote pushes the button for you know like he talked mm -hmm. about a couple uh a couple seasons ago in one of his press conferences um you know just it's just the thing is you know like you said in that press conference once you push the button you can't unpush it like you know the yeah. The deal is done. The deal is made. You know, maybe him and Shea doesn't get along. Uh, maybe you trade away the wrong guy. You have another James Harden situation. Maybe he comes in here and he is never healthy enough to, you know, make a postseason run. Like there's there's a lot of what ifs, and I get it. There's a lot of what ifs with any player that you're going to bring in, any trade you're going to bring in. You got to go over these different scenarios. Um, on the court, my main concern, and like this is this is kind of you know, just, just my feelings on the league in general. Like I don't love a guy that I don't love post-ups for a big uh, in, in 2023. Mm -hmm. I don't like, I, I'm, I'm to the point where, especially in the Thunders offense where you have, you know, so many talented creators, both for themselves and their teammates. I just feel like that is that's playing into the defense at that point. If you're, you know, if you're allowing post us, because sure, like Joel B can dominate and he has, and he's put up like 30, 32, 34, 38 points. Uh, but they're playing the Golden State Warriors and they hit 23s and they still lose by 15. Like, you know, at the end of the day, threes is more than twos. And, you know, maybe this is just, you know, my heart being scorned for all these years of us not having shooters out there. And I know Embiid can shoot it a little bit. Um, and I know like he's so stupid efficient. Yeah, like you know, I, I I don't know, man. Maybe it's 
maybe maybe I just need to put my hands up and just let it happen. If it happened, you know, I would I would be excited. Like I'm not gonna You'd embrace you it. Yeah. yeah, but I would I would be freaked out. I I would 100 percent be freaked out. How many free throws are you prepared to watch a game? Because if you had Joel and B and SGA on the same team, I, I think that games would go on for two, three, four hours. It it'd turn a little bit more like a baseball game than, than a we basketball would be the game. Most hated team in the NBA. Yeah, but don't you want that? Don't you want that? If you're really good, I want to be hated. I don't want to be yeah. loved. I, I, I want to, I want everyone to hate us and just to be completely unstoppable. So there's Joel. That's another thing for people to discuss after the episode. What what have you seen in Thunder Circles? I think people that suggest this trade are obviously optimistic about it. But yeah, yeah, the there's it's kind of split, man. You know, like there's the people that are either concerned or they just want to take this slow and let our guys build up, and then there's the people that are ready for action, and you know they would love to see a trade like this. Um, I want to ask you, you know, if I'm, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put you in, in Presti's shoes. If you're Sam Presti and you're making this deal, what package are you constructing? Like personally, what one or two members of that core are you breaking up to make this deal go through? Uh, so I'm prioritizing keeping, obviously SGA is off the table. Yes. Uh, of the other three young stars, Jalen Williams is the one that I prioritize keeping the most just because I think he fits that wing archetype. I can see him mm -hmm. fitting next to a guy like Joel, who doesn't necessarily situate himself as close to the post. He's he's a mid-range assassin, so that still leaves room for these sort of backdoor cuts that I think Jalen could really take advantage of. Um, ideally, I think I'm probably... It's hard because I think Chet has a lot more upside, but Josh... Josh is Josh is so ridiculously productive. I think age mm -hmm. 20 season last year, 17 yeah. points, eight rebounds, six, seven assists. Mm -hmm. That's six, seven assists. And insane. he's not even the lead ball handler. Like he's he's sharing the sharing the ball handling duties. Uh, I think it probably makes most sense to give up Chet in a situation like this because I think I trust Giddy's shot coming along a little bit. I was really impressed to see the improvement last year like it's it's been really notable and yeah I, I i don't want to be married to having to play two bigs in closing lineups and as versatile as chet is i don't necessarily want I, I don't want to be stuck with that so i think i would lead off with a package like chet ludor davis bertans and then three to four first round picks you're you're giving philly that center that they can build around straight away uh, three years of team control. You're giving them draft capital. They're going to get something back for James Harden. They, they've got Tyrese Maxey as well. I'd love a sort of Tyrese Maxey and a Chet combination. I think that could be really, really exciting in the pick yep. and roll. So that's that's the kind of package that I'd I'd look to give up. What what about you? Who would you rather hold on to? I mean, no, that all makes sense. And I, I think that it, it kind of goes back to the the devil that you know um, between mm -hmm. Josh Giddy and Chet. Like you've seen Josh Giddy produce out there on the floor. I'm with you. Like you know, Shay and Joe Williams are the guys that you keep. Um, yeah. But I, I, it feels like the discourse around Josh Giddy has been really weird. You know, since the time he was drafted, like I got over it that night. Like I was very confused. But you know, after that, I was like completely on board. And I think that mm -hmm. he's just continued to go out there and really like like impress everybody out there and what with what he's able to do like his like you're mentioning like his shooting improvements is not nothing to sneeze at like yeah they're still not great percentage but 
they are much better than they were his rookie year. Like it's market improvement. And obviously we've seen what we can do in the ball in his hands. We see, you know, the kind of passes he can make. So like, yeah, I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Josh Giddy because uh, I mean, what, what was the stat? I think he's six months older or six months younger than Brandon Miller, who was just drafted this wow. past year by the Hornets. Like he, he's still one of the youngest players in the league and he's entering year three. Like his, mm-hmm. his, his potential is, is sky high. So I, I get it with you. I think that if I was going to have to make the deal, you're telling me you're getting Joel Embiid. No questions asked. Yeah, but you, but you have to make the deal. I'm giving them Chet because you know it, it works out for both teams. Thunder theoretically get a more win now big. The Sixers theoretically get a more um, long term piece in Chet Holmgren. You know you re you kind of kick the can down the road. You reset um, financially. You know you just mm-hmm. kind of get a restart, and you still have this super like big man prospect that could you know still be one of the best players in the league if everything goes right. So. Um, doesn't really change much for Philly. It just kind of resets their timeline, and I guess it accelerates Thunder's timeline. So I, I can see it. It's just – I don't know, man. I know people yeah, say don't get attached to your players in the rebuild, but I've, I've gotten attached. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially when they produce. It's different if a Charlotte Hornets fan says, I don't want to trade Kelly Oubre Jr. or something like that. But when it's Josh mm-hmm. Kiddie, when it's Jalen Williams, sorry for the unnecessary shot to Kelly Oubre Jr. They're still a free agent, not even <laughs> Thunder on the Legend. Anymore. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, brief but uh brief but passionate relationship between those two. Yes. Um Dylan, who did who did you have at number one? Do you want to go first or shall I? Because I think I've alluded to who I'm I'm gonna pick for my number one, my closing statement. Yeah, I think I know who you're going number one. I have an honorable mention if I could just like briefly mention it. Please go for okay. it. Uh this would just kind of be funny, and that's why it's honorable mention. Like I think basketball <laughs> fit wise, it would be great. Um, but in terms of the player and his injuries, I don't know. It's kind of shaky, and that's why I don't know if we would do it. But calling up the Clippers and just being like, hey, man, you took an L on the trade. Let us, <laughs> let us just give you all the other stuff back that is still left. Like, we keep Jalen Williams. You can have Trey Mann, who was part of the trade if you want to. Yeah. We're keeping Shea, but all the other picks, you can have them. Just give us Paul George. And I think Paul George, when he's healthy, is a perfect fit for this Thunder team. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. He's not going to come in and dominate like he did in that 2018-19 season. But Spacer, 6'8", can defend multiple positions, can initiate probably more than he did in a Thunder uniform as well. I think that's really progressed. He was actually a primary ball handler at times before the Clippers decided to pick up three or four different point guards in uh, post-trade deadline uh, last year. (laughs) So, yeah, I I could be on board with a Paul George trade. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, uh, I go to you, Dylan. What the hell is a Thunder fan base saying <laughs> if it's, um, yeah, this is what we've done? <laughs> I think the Thunder fan base would be ecstatic because at this point, like, you know, the Clippers picks could be valuable, but they're, they mm. still have a ceiling. Like, you know, if Paul George and Kawhi come in and, you know, finally the iron strikes just right and they're healthy and they have Russell Westbrook, who is a super floor raiser at this point, and you know I think you know really helps that team and their culture and how they play. The Clippers could still be a contender if everything if they're still healthy, like they're still built like a contender. So I know everybody's excited about these unprotected picks, but if they have these players and they're healthy, you know th- those picks could you know kind of fall by the wayside a little bit. So I'm much more comfortable with the Rockets picks. I still don't really believe in the Rockets team building. Um, I, I still think that, 
you know, this next year, even though they've added quote unquote veterans, which, you know, I think Fred mm-hmm. Van a good veteran, but like Dylan Brooks, like, what are we doing? Jack Wendell, like Dylan Brooks, $90 yeah. million? Seriously? Really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. And then, you know, just all the decisions they've made, like, you know, I can't wait for the lottery pick we're about to get from the Houston Rockets um, from their mm-hmm. pick next year. So, um, yeah, so I think Thunder fans will be excited. You know, I don't think there's any uh, bad blood from Paul George, especially after the report came out that Russell Westbrook was actually looking for a trade before Paul George started looking for a trade. I think all, you know, offenses have been mended on that front. And, I, you know, I think, you know, just just like NBA, just like a lot of these guys, like the Thunder fans are going to be excited because it's another step in the right direction of contending now. And, yeah. you know, Paul George defensively, you have Lou Dort, you have Jalen Williams, you have Shea to a lesser extent. Like you don't have to take on much of a burden defensively. Offensively, mm-hmm. you have Shea, you have Jalen Williams, you have Chet, you have Getty, like – he he can he can just kind of fit in where he fits in. He'd ooze glass one hundred percent, and he'd be a great role model to all the players. This is mm-hmm. one of the all-time player development successes. When you look at what he was when he was drafted by the Pacers, I think thirteenth in twenty ten. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a Sounds little bit right. higher. But you know, just used to be this hyper-athletic guy. Can necessarily access that offensive game so much. Was just a defensive stopper in his first couple of years, and then blossomed. And now is one of the most skilled players in the in the league. There really aren't any holes in his game. There might be a hole or two in his knee or his ankle, whatever keeps giving out. But Man. he's a fantastic player when he's on the floor. Yeah. And and yeah, the the other thing I'd like about Paul George trade is, like you said, you you keep assets with that. It's not completely empty in the stash. Mm-hmm. You can go, you can get him, you can make it amicable for both teams, but you can hold on to either your own picks or those Rockets picks down the line. And I think that's going to be really important for every team in this sort of world of the second apron. I think there's a world where OKC, if they if they had slightly less um, financially challenged ownership, they're a team that would be a candidate to blow past the second apron because they've got so much depth already. They've got four guys they could pay and they've got the draft picks where they could just keep adding to the roster in a way that a team like the Phoenix Suns can't necessarily or the Golden State Warriors couldn't necessarily. So yeah, yeah, it would it would be interesting. That's that's definitely a fun idea. I think we've talked Paul George, so I'll I'll jump into my number one and, and you yeah. can close us out, Dylan. Uh Cooper Flag is my number one. You saw it coming. <laughs> But just if I if I had to describe to you um, a player to play next to Chet Holmgren at the four, I think I'd say six nine six ten, incredible rim deterrent, uh, rim protection. It's a guy that's putting up five blocks a game in college, five assists, twenty plus points, um, and just is so intellectually gifted at the age of sixteen. It's it's insane. I, I'd love to see him with that sort of competitive flame and fire i'd love to see him because he's got real creation juice and that's really progressed from his age 15 to 16 season i'm i'm spouting some opinions of adam spinella and uh sam Vecini here i Mm -hmm. I know that you you referenced sam but adam has recently done a really good video on cooper uh you can watch cooper's highlights on the nba app i think they've got peach jam eybl where they showed out for main united (sighs) just the other thing is, as well as him being a perfect fit, theoretically, because we haven't seen him in college, let alone mm-hmm. the league, bringing in a guy like Cooper Flagg is kind of like the Lakers bringing in James Worthy in 1982. They've got their team completely set. They're sort of capped out at a point where 
you're going to be giving uh, both Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams massive extensions in the 26-27 season. But you can just about skate by paying Shea, paying Giddy, paying J-Dub, paying Chet, and then having just this incredible x-factor come onto the team at the power forward four years of team control that means you can keep that core together longer than any other trade that we've spoken about on this list it's a little bit higher risk and i think the reason why some people might not consider this is cooper's being hyped up in a similar way to the way victor Wembanyama was mm-hmm. which i think is a little bit insane he's not seven foot five he doesn't <sighs> play like kd he, he looks great but i feel like this is just a tiny bit of recency bias would a team trade the number one pick? Uh, but if they would, they'd certainly trade it to the Thunder because they've got the most to offer. Picks on picks on picks on picks. It's it's the fit that I want to see because it means that we get to see this core four develop together still and we get to see a massive talent added. So that is my number one pick. That is the guy that I want to see. What are your thoughts, Dylan? Yeah, like I, I admit, I've got to dive more into Cooper Flag. Um, I usually... Most of this Kentucky or they're playing Kentucky. I don't do a lot of scouting. I, I lean heavily on our guests in the offseason um, and our draft prep, uh, no ceilings guys, um, yep. guys from draft dummies. Like I've, I've got a, like a whole slew of draft guests that we bring on, and I'm super educated on the draft, you know, once the draft comes around. But, um, you know, I, you can't go anywhere without seeing Cooper Flag's highlights on the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I saw what he was doing in the Nike Skills Academy, you know, with it. With, with his peers who are like, you know, some of the best, better players in the, in you know, the country at this point um, who are, you know, one, two years older than him. And, you know, he's still just absolutely dominating. He looks like he's playing at a different speed. Uh, he's got a nice touch around the rim defensively. And, you know, he competes, man. Like he's an absolute dog. Um, I mean, it would, it, it would be a lot of fun. And, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before we got into the countdown, how I think we're going to spend this capital. And that's, you know, consolidating within drafts. Like, hey, mm-hmm. we have two picks in this draft, you know, one in the lottery, one in the late first round. You could have both of those plus two first rounders in next year's draft, and mm-hmm. we can have the number one pick. And, like, you now that's no skin off our back. That's something that's very um, appealing to that team. And, you know, all of a sudden you have Cooper Flag And, you know, you know, theoretically, he fits like a glove, and that would be awesome. Um, the only thing, the, the only thing that I want, I want to pump the brakes on Cooper Flags is, yeah. At one point, Amani Bates was thought of <laughs> as this can't miss prospect, number one yeah. overall player. Kevin Durant's yeah. basketball skill, Kevin Garnett's mentality, like <laughs> in theory, it's awesome. But like a lot of crap can happen from now and 2026 or whenever it is that he's eligible to be drafted. So, um, but I, I love the idea. I love the thought process behind it. And I love the idea of, you know, being able to keep that core four together and paying, uh, mm. you know, paying into a second apron to do it. Because what I think a lot of people don't realize about the thunder and I'm sorry, I'm going on with none of this, but what I think no, a lot of people don't realize about the thunder, whenever the James Harden trade happened, they were a very new franchise. Like they, they were jumped into contention way quicker than they ever expected. And, you know, they were making money, but they were having to spend money as well. And, you know, money that they didn't necessarily have at that point. And Hey, they asked Harden to take the pay cut that Russell Westbrook, Kevin Garner, or Kevin Durant and Serge Ibaka had already taken. So like that's, that, that's just a little nitpick of mine. But anyways, that's besides the point. They weren't prepared to go into luxury tax 
to pay James Harden that extra nine million. I know it's not just an extra you know, six, seven, eight million. I don't remember how much it was. It's not just that. It's that plus whatever penalty it was to be in the luxury tax. We weren't ready for that. Yep. Now, 20 years into our franchise, um, not 20 years, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> almost 20 years into our franchise, maybe at that point, yeah, 20 years into our six. franchise. Yeah. Um, you know, going through a rebuild, going through the COVID years, whenever, you know, you're, you're basically just saving money. Like, you know, at one point we didn't hit the salary floor, I think two years in a row where we had to pay, like split, you know, the rest of the payment to our players just so we would hit the salary mm-hmm. floor. Like we've been, we haven't been hemorrhaging money. Like this is the first year that I think that we'll even be close to the tax. And we still don't even know what we're going to do with guys like Davis Bertans and, you know, guys like that. So we're in position now and we've seen this ownership be willing, you know, once they're in contention, you know, looking at Russell Westbrook, Paul George years, we're willing to go get Carmelo Anthony. We're willing to go pay for Patrick Patterson, Raymond Feld, and Ernest Noel, Dennis Schroeder, like all these guys, like people don't remember. We had a $300 million cap roll or, or payroll on our, on our roster in 2018, 2019, like biggest payroll in NBA history. And people want to talk about how OKC is cheap just because of the hardened trade. No, ownership is willing to pay if it's mm-hmm. in contention. If they are in talks and they believe they can win something, they're willing to pay. And if mm-hmm. you have Shea Gilds Alexander, Josh Getty, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, and they progress like the front office and the fans and all the NBA talking heads think they will, they will pay to keep them together. Yeah. 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 And I really hope that they do because the thing about this OKC team is like we said, everyone is the same age. Everyone is growing together. If you're, if you're the OKC ownership, I think you just look over at the golden state warriors and you see what a era defining team can do. And when you have that much talent and those assets, there is a chance to not only sort of rack up championships, but you rack up, I'm going to call it fan capital in a way that you can't, in any other sport, there's there's just the potential for that Thunder team to go sky high in terms of where their standing is in the fr- uh, in the league as a whole. There's a potential for them to win championships. There's a potential for them to sell a hell of a lot of shirts. And if that means going into the luxury tax, so be it. Um, I'm glad to hear that you think that they pay. I think, like you said, that the general consensus is, oh, Thunder, they're cheap. They didn't pay hard and et cetera, et cetera. And we just sort mm-hmm. of write it off there. Um Dylan, let's let's close it up now. Who's your who's your number one pick? Did you go the same direction as me? I, I did not. I did not. I didn't know there was an option for one, but um, I, so, I, I I should have told you, but I just thought oh, it's going to be so cool when I say this. <laughs> you're absolutely fine. I, I love the thought process, but this is this is something that a lot of Thunder fans are still wrestling with in the spirit mm-hmm. of players that have left OKC and bringing them back. Uh, you want James Harden? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I could go. I could go a whole hour on why the James Harden trade was the right move. But anyways, um, <laughs> in terms of bringing guys back, and mm-hmm. you know, like I said, this is this is a guy that a lot of phone friends are still battling with how they feel about it. His age, his injury history, but like, man. Despite his injury, he has a game that is going to age. He's one of the smartest basketball players of all time. He is one of the best scorers of the basketball of all time. I was as hurt as anybody in 2016. 
But man, if you, I, I don't even know what the trade would be. I don't, I don't think the Suns would even entertain it. But if you have the yeah. opportunity to bring Kevin Durant back, you got to do it, man. Like, okay. he's he's already like any chance he's he gets, he's he's hyping up the Thunder Young players. Shagos Alexander, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren, like he's in everybody's ears about it. He's talking about freaking Alexi Pokersevsky in his podcast. <laughs> like this guy, he watches the Thunder. He pays attention to the Thunder. He is not a casual when it comes to Oklahoma City Thunder. And in terms of like storyline, man, like all these fans that are saying, no, I don't want Kevin Durant back. Like, no, he's a snake. Blah, blah, blah. Like I felt the same way forever, man. But like we're, mm. we're approaching a decade. Like we're not quite there. We're approaching a decade when that happened to go. I think he realizes that it was probably not the best decision, especially with all the players that we were looking to get in that offseason and did acquire to build around mm. him. I think he could have won a championship. But if you come back to Oklahoma City and you win a championship, all those people that were mad at you, all those people that hated you, that couldn't stand your guts, that didn't want you in there, that called you a cupcake, will be praising you. <laughs> And you will be you will be a Thunder legend. You will be the definition of a Thunder legend. You will be the epitome of a sports movie. You will have 30 for 30s about it. I, I mean, it's it's perfect. And then basketball fit wise, yeah, I don't, I don't like I said, I don't I don't know what it takes. I don't know what you have to give up. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it comes down to you know they they extend Kevin Durant. He has a no trade clause, and he pulls Brad with Bill. He's like, no, nah, send me to the Thunder. Nobody else. That's the only place I will wave my no trade clause for. And at that point, you can keep you know your core four, and you bring in Kevin Durant. Fits like a glove defensively, mm-hmm. offensively. You know, another guy that can shoot off catch, off of movement, create his own shot, shoot over the top of guys. He is he became a great weak side rim protector um, in his years in Golden State, you know, playing alongside Draymond Green. So I think that he would thrive next to Chet Holmgren. Like, I mean, it, it it's so perfect that it will never happen. But I <laughs> I think the Thunder would be open to it because Sam Presti still talks about, you know, how much Kevin Durant means to him as a person and stuff like that. And I, I think that, you know, like I said, like this is this is a great way to – Put the past in the past, put everything behind it, and you know, just just heal the city. <laughs> mm. It's it is absolutely a move that would not happen this year. No, no, no. But you tell me in one year's time, there's discontent in Phoenix because they're doing things that franchises never do. They are blowing past the second apron. They're trading not just all of their first round picks, not just all of their swaps, but they're putting swap rights on their swap rights which is insane. They are going to have the least assets the team has ever had. Forget the Brooklyn Nets. This is going to be, if it blows up in Phoenix, it's going to be the ugliest next five years of basketball that we've ever seen. So you've got to paint me a picture of Devin Booker being unhappy, of a major injury occurring, of the coaching situation not being right, or something along those lines. And maybe it can happen. But yeah, if KD ends up going anywhere else, it's definitely back to OKC or, you know, if Seattle comes back to expansion, maybe he closes out his yeah. career there. Man, that would it's, hurt. It's, yeah, that, that'd hurt a bit, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? He gets to finally wear that white, green, yellow one more time. But yeah, it would be it would be a great 30 for 30, if nothing else. If he just says, this is my last season, we're going for it one more time. I want to win a championship with the OKC Thunder. It would be beautiful, man. Ah, oh, 
yeah, yeah that's a much great. more romantic pick than Cooper Flag. I, I think <laughs> I went. I think I went analytical. I think I went. This is how you keep them together. This is salary cap. This is uh, length of the core. But there's just something about it feeling right. And I, I honestly think that they missed out a little bit. I know that OKC wasn't on the radar for Kevin Durant last year, but if they rung up the Brooklyn Nets, they could have trumped that offer. 100 percent i think they could have maybe held on to everyone i don't know maybe again you have to give up one of those core four pieces but i think the ship has sailed but if it ever happens it'll be wonderful to watch and you could come back on the podcast dylan anytime and we'll just talk every week i'll come on topic thunder and we'll just go ckd in practice today man does he look good in that jersey ckd put up an easy 25 in 25 minutes yeah yeah Uh, the, the vibes would be immaculate yeah, what's crazy is he's already taken Chet under his wing. Like Chet's been training with him all summer, dude. Like I've I've seen videos from him training with Drew Chan- Drew Hamlin. Uh, NBA tweeted out a video today of him training with uh, another trainer. I think it was like Alan Harrington or something like that. Like he, he's been with KD all summer, <laughs> and that should terrify the league because this guy already has some of the best defensive instincts that I've ever seen out of a basketball player in Chet Holmgren. Uh, great ball location with both hands. Pause. That's not what I meant to say, but um, yeah, yeah, like phenomenal defense, but like offensively, you know, if there's one thing we know about Chet, one thing that I've realized in, you know, talking to all these draft guys is he's a hard worker. Like he lives in the gym. He lives, sleeps and breathes, eats, sleeps and breathes basketball. And if he's working with Kevin Durant, who once again has one of the greatest scores of our time, who once again is a seven footer and has dealt with and is built like Chet Holmgren, yeah. Um, if he's working with a guy like that, the rest of the league should should be very afraid. Not only Kevin Durant, but this is a guy that's uh, met up with Kevin Garnett. I, I saw that little interview a few weeks yeah, yeah, ago yeah. of him already saying, oh, I love you, man. I love your vibe. I love what you're doing. They're potentially linking up in the off-season to train together. Both Kevins, uh, an immaculate pair of mentors, if I've ever seen one in, in the NBA. But Dylan, I think what we'll do is let's let's recap our top fives. Maybe some closing statements. Do you regret having anyone low, high, etc.? I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a damp damp squib going back to Corey Kispert, but but let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, my top five is I got a uh, Corey Kispert at five, Carl Anthony Towns at four, Mikael Bridges at three, Larry Markman at two. Kevin Durant at one. Well, Paul George is an honorable mention. I just don't think it'll happen because Los Angeles is not going to admit they were wrong. <laughs> yeah. So my top five was I had Trey Murphy the third at five. I had Carl Anthony Towns, just like Dylan, at four. I had OG Ananobi at three, the most traded man in Bleacher Report articles of all time. I've, I've looked that up while we've done the podcast. Joel Embiid at two with Cooper Flag at one. I cheated a little bit, but, you know, we've, we've got to mix it up. And yeah, Lowry was an honourable mention as well. I think I mentioned him at the top. Mm-hmm. So we've been on the same track. It's going to be exciting to watch the Thunder next year. Dylan, where can my very small listenership find you? Oh, man. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for having me on the podcast, man. Always always a pleasure to talk uh, to, to somebody new in the pod space. Um, but, you know, I'm always down to talk basketball. And, uh, you know, love talking to somebody from Cross Pond, like I was saying. But um, in terms of me, man, like, you can follow me on Twitter at Thunderchats. 
uh, just like it sounds, at ch under chats, as I used to say. Um, you can follow our podcast at OKC Topic Thunder. You can uh, find us anywhere you listen to your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, what have you. Um, but yeah, man, we'll we'll be uh, you know covering the Thunder as the season goes on. We're at you know two episodes a week, uh, one early in the week, one late in the week. Um, you know, right now we're we're fishing for content. You know, uh, thank thankful for the schedule release today, so we have something yes. to talk about tomorrow. But um, yeah, no, we will we'll be covering everything that happens with the Thunder um, as the season goes on into the offseason, the draft, you name it. But uh, yeah, man, that's that's it. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. And I, I love talking to someone that clearly knows so much about the game, but also lets their fan side come out a little bit. Yeah. Just those last two mentions of PG and KD. You can just see it seeping in. It's fantastic because I feel like we get so bogged down by the analytics sometimes, but it's just nice to embrace that. What if? Ooh, ooh, Kevin Durant putting on that that uniform one more time. Uh, I'm going to leave all your socials, all your links, the Topic Thunder links in the description of this podcast. Dylan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'd love to have you back during the regular season or perhaps sure. come on Topic Thunder. One of the best named podcasts out there. <laughs> Topic Thunder. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. But this has been the 11th episode of The Drop Step. Thank you for listening. Uh, Join us next time when we talk to Matt Issa.